0: So I'm one of those rare people who got to enjoy life with my great-grandparents when I was younger. Some of my regular grandparents passed away, but my great-grandparents actually lived a good bit longer. And um, so I want to just share with you a little bit about them to kind of start out the message tonight. Uh, Anthony and Eleanor Morello were my great-grandparents, and I'd like you to help me just welcome them out here today. I know they died years ago, people. Come on, all right? They didn't <laughs> live that long, okay? But they did live into their mid to late 90s, which is pretty incredible, And they were pretty funny, man. I remember as a young kid, man, they would have their little arguments, you know. And my great-grandfather was basically deaf. He had hearing aids. And he didn't want to hear my grandma anymore. He just turned him down and kind of escaped into his own little world. He had this black-and-white TV in the basement. And they were really, really thrifty they were very wise with their money but but sometimes that kind of cost us because in his basement he had this black and white tv and instead of upgrading it to a colored tv he just went out and got some red and green and blue semi-transparent paper and taped it to the front of the tv and that's how we watched tv at my great-grandfather's house he loved music he was really musical he played the piano he played the guitar and some other instruments and loved that kind of stuff and um I remember when he was passing away, actually, we, right, right before he died, we were in the hospital, and my mom was kind of like a little bit nuts about music, and so everywhere we went, she had us singing to somebody, and so I'm like 20-something years old, and she's like, let's sing to Grandpa. I'm like, this is so awkward, and so we're singing like these hymns to my grandfather, and he's looking a little bit like agitated, and so eventually, we stopped singing, and my mom just goes, Grandpa, do you want us to keep singing? And he's like, No. Those were the last words I heard my grandfather say to me. Okay? <laughs> Pretty incredible. But man, they, they were, they were very, very influential in my life. Uh, my grandmother was a tough lady, man. She was, like, she was like 85 pounds soaking wet, but she was tough. She was 95. She was driving down the street. She had gotten some ice cream. It was sitting on the seat next to her, and she hit her brakes. The ice cream went flying off. And so as she's still driving, she decides to lean over and pick it up. She went off the road, up an embankment, and flipped her car. And she walked out of the car at 95 without a scratch. She was a tough lady. One of the things I really appreciate about, appreciate about them was that they really, I think, steered our family toward Jesus. And they were some people that were influential in just pointing us to being involved at church and being connected with other Christians and, and really living our lives for God. And so that's a little snapshot, hopefully a little clear picture of who my great-grandparents were. And, and as I was thinking about this series, my heart in this is to give you a snapshot, a clear picture of who Jesus is. And sometimes we don't really understand who Jesus is. You know, some of you guys are new to all this. It's so cool. Some of you guys came maybe to our Easter services a few weeks ago. Or maybe tonight is your very first night here. And you don't know a lot about Jesus. And you're a little bit curious maybe. And you're a little unsure. Maybe even a little bit, you know, questioning what you believe about Jesus. And so tonight I want to talk a little bit more about who Jesus is. But you know what? There's a lot of us who are followers of Jesus. And this series is just as important for you too. Because a lot of the times, as followers of Jesus, we still need to remember that, wow, there's more for us to learn, there's more for us to discover. I would guess some of you guys, like me, you've been reading through your Bible, and all of a sudden you saw something, you're like, wow. That's interesting. I didn't realize Jesus was like that. I thought he was this other way my whole life. And I've been living, you know, following Jesus for a long time. And I'm still learning, I'm still discovering who Jesus is. And here's something that excites me right now the church experts out there and the theologians, whoever they are, they're saying that there is this hunger in people right now. If you look out at church, and you look at churches like over the years, maybe 10, 15 years, there's almost different themes of how church goes for a little while. But right now, they're saying something really unique is happening. They're saying that people are hungry for theology. What's theology? It's the study of the nature of God. Like They want to know who God is. They want to know about Jesus. And the thing that really excites me is that in this service, we have a lot of millennials and Gen Zs. And they're saying that among millennials and Gen Zs, there's this extra hunger for this truth right now. And so we're diving into this series, we're continuing it here tonight, this is Jesus. And I think it's so important for us as followers of Jesus because sometimes we're so close to it all that we lose the awe of it all, you know. Sometimes we're just so near it that we lose some of that passion, you know. It's kind of like this, familiarity poisons passion, you know. Like you ever had a new phone, a new car, and you were real excited about it. And and at first it was just everything. You were polishing that car. You were out there, you were taking it everywhere. You wouldn't drive it in the rain. It was in the garage every night, whatever those things are. And you like you're just like, I'm gonna take care of this thing. But eventually it's like, whatever, man. It got dinged up a little, got some scratches, and you know, you just kind of got used to it all. That leather where, you know, that new car smell wore off. And familiarity kind of poisoned that passion that you used to have. And that can happen with Jesus too. I've told you before, my dad is six foot eight. He's a big dude, but he doesn't seem that tall to me. It's weird. There's a guy here, he, his name is Oscar. I don't know if he's here tonight, but he comes to our services and he's six foot eight, same exact height as my dad. And when Oscar walks in, I'm just staring at him. I'm like, wow, this guy is so legit tall, right? But then my dad will walk in right next to me and be like, what's up, dad? You know, like I'm just so used to him. And his best friend, one of his best friends, was six seven. And these two guys, man, they just don't seem that big to me. And my dad's my, my dad's good friend I always used to kind of play around with people because people ask tall people horrible questions. Have you ever done this? Ever gone up to a tall person? Like, I I just heard other people ask my dad bad questions his whole life, you know? How's the weather up there? That was like the go-to one, you know? And my dad's friend said, I'm so tempted just to spit in their face and tell them it's raining, you know? Uh, One time, this guy at a Christian conference went up to my dad's friend, again, 6'7", and he said, how do you shower? And my dad's friend said, naked, how about you? Like, like, come on, I'm just sick of these questions, you know? But they're not anything all that special when I see them anymore because I'm just too close to it. And sometimes we're we're almost just too close to Jesus. And so I don't know if this sounds weird or not, but maybe we could almost take a a step back and just see Jesus for who he is in this series. And we could celebrate who he is. And I'm telling you this, if you don't really care about theology, if you don't really care about the the nature of God here tonight, I just want to tell you, when you come around the truths of God, some pretty awesome things begin to happen. Like when you really dig into that, some amazing things begin to happen. And so, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Was he just a man? Is he God? You see, this is really a big deal if you're new to all this, because this is often misunderstood. Sometimes people say, Jesus, he was a good person, man, or he was a prophet, or maybe at best a miracle worker, but I don't know about God. And so sometimes people put him on the scale of, of a prophet, or you know, maybe he's kind of like Isaiah or Moses, just a really good guy. Well, We're going to talk about that today, but some of you are saying, well, Doug, I already know the answer to that question, if Jesus is God, or not. I already know that. So what am I going to get out of this here tonight? Well, see, there are some other things we're going to discover tonight, and these, thing, these things hit us right in the feels. You know what I mean by that? Like, like we feel... Some of the pain and the weight of some of these questions tonight. So yes, we're going to answer the question, is Jesus God? But I also want us to answer some other questions as we kind of move through some scriptures that speak to this stuff like this. And I would bet some of you are wrestling with this question tonight. Why does it feel like God's sometimes absent? Why does it feel like sometimes I feel him and it feels like he's right here with me, but then sometimes it feels like I got nothing, like he's so far away I can't even tell if he exists? Why does it feel like he's absent sometimes? Another question I think we're going to discover, the answer to tonight is, is, does God actually know how it feels to walk in my shoes, right? Because sometimes that's what we struggle with. God, I just feel like you're allowing me to go through some really difficult things, and you don't get it. If you understood how I felt right now, you would never let me go through this. And so we're going to work through that as well. And there's one more thing we're going to discover tonight and kind of answer is, is this question of, you know, isn't Jesus just like everybody else, Right? Like, don't all roads lead to heaven? Isn't Jesus just one of the options? And so we're going to work through some of this here tonight. And so we're going to discover, is Jesus God? Is he absent? Does he know what it's like to walk in our shoes? And is he actually different than any of the other options out there? And so we're going to do this, and I just pray it's a clear snapshot for you. And we're going to look at a few different periods of time. We're going to start out before Jesus is born. In Isaiah chapter 7, check this out. 750 years before Jesus is born, it says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That's like a really famous Christmas scripture right there, right? But what happened is 750 years before Jesus came, Isaiah says, hey, God's going to do something incredible. And this baby's going to be born to a virgin. And we haven't even talked about the most exciting part of this verse. It's that last word, Emmanuel. And in the Hebrew, you know what Emmanuel means? It means God with us. It doesn't mean prophet with us. It doesn't mean good person with us. It doesn't mean miracle worker with us. It means God is with us. So if you're here tonight wondering who Jesus is, Isaiah tells us hundreds of years before Jesus comes, oh, I'll tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is God. But here's what I love about this. Some of us feel like God is absent tonight. Some of us feel like he's very far away. And I love that Emmanuel doesn't mean God came. God once was here. I love that it means God with us. If you're wrestling tonight, and you're trying to figure out if God is with you, I get it. Because I've tried to figure that out a few times in my life as well. Some really difficult, painful times. But I want to tell you something tonight, that in the midst of that, you need people like me and some of your friends around you to remind you maybe daily, maybe several times a day that yes, God is with you. Despite what you might feel, despite what you might be going through, God is with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And it gets even better. You see, when Jesus ascended to heaven, right before he ascended, do you remember what he said to his father? He said, guys, I'm going. I know you're gonna miss me, but I got some great news for you. I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit to be in you. And so it's not even God with us anymore. Now it's God in us. And so man, if I could just look you in the eyes tonight and tell you, you're not alone in what you're going through. You have a loving Savior who did everything to make sure that you can live with Emmanuel, God with you. So yes, Jesus is God, and yes, He is with you, which means He is not absent. Me, some of you guys are are wrestling with uh, this idea of, you know, all roads lead into heaven. Can I just remind you, and I probably say this once a month here at the church, but Jesus is the only one who came for you. He's the only option out there that came for you. He's the only Emmanuel God with us. And so I hope you're seeing the difference here tonight. But if you're a follower of Jesus, are are you too close to all this? Like, again, I, I just pray some passion rises up in our hearts again tonight about who Jesus actually is. That we can go down deep into who he is and that will bring out some new love, some new passion, some new fire in our heart for who he is. And that will play itself out in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we worship, and the way that we share our faith. Because this Jesus is so amazing. So now, let's go for the next snapshot. We've discovered Jesus is God, and he is not absent. But now we're going to talk a little bit more about that next struggle. Does you know what it's like to walk in my shoes. So let's fast forward a little bit. We're going to fast forward to Jesus is born. He grows up. He does the whole high school thing, right? He works at Chick-fil-A like all holy people do, of course. He goes to Suffolk, transfers to Stony Brook, and graduates. The whole deal, right? Like most of you, Okay. And eventually, he works with his dad as a carpenter. That's the one true thing I've said in the last 30 seconds. Um, And eventually, he's about to go and do his ministry, right? To go and like live this life that his father placed him on the earth to live. And he gets baptized before this really starts out. This is kind of like the launching moment, his baptism, right? And I want us just to discover a little bit what happened at that baptism. If we're wondering if Jesus is God, check out Luke three twenty one. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. Can you just picture this with me? You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Just imagine standing on the shore that day and experiencing that. Now listen. I've had the tremendous privilege. Joey back there has had the, we've had the tremendous privilege of baptizing many of the people in this room. That's so cool. What an honor. And as beautiful as that is, and as amazing as that is, we can all agree on one thing that when we baptized you, the sky did not split, right? And the voice of the Father did not say, This is my son or daughter whom I'm well pleased in, right? That didn't happen. Why? Because Jesus was unique. You see, the Father was trying to identify something for you and me. He was trying to identify this is my Son, not like in a general sense. No, this is my Son, the Son of God, God in the flesh, come for you. And so we've seen 750 years before Jesus came, a prophet say, oh, this is going to be God. Emmanuel, oh, he'll be God. And then we've seen the Father split the heavens and say, "Oh, oh, this Jesus, he is my Son, fully God. But some of us wrestle with this idea of, but do you get me, God? Like, do you get what I go through, what I feel? Those pains, those aches, those, those struggles, those, those things that I've suffered in my life, those betrayals, those stabs in the back, the sadness, the physical pain in my body. Do you get me? Have you actually walked in my shoes? Well, I want you to think about something for a second. Jesus just got baptized, right? And what's baptism all about? It's about this picture of what God has done in our lives, right? Like when we go down into the waters, it's a picture of us going down into the grave just like Jesus did. And then when we come back up, it's this picture of this new life that we have. But just think with me for a second. When Jesus got baptized, was there any old life, any old sin part of him to go down into that that river that day? No, like he was perfect, right? So he didn't get baptized like you and I do to say, hey, the old me is gone and the new me has come. Jesus was already God. So why did he do it? I think he did it to be an example to you and to me. In other words, he did it so that you and I would follow in his footsteps. And hear me, when we begin to follow in his shoes, we begin to discover he's walked in our shoes as well. When we begin to follow him through his life, we begin to see that he was betrayed, that he was hated, that he was cursed at, that he was abandoned, that he lost people that he loved, that he was physically suffering, that he went through anguish. The same things you and me went through And after the first service today, I walked out into the hallway and someone came up to me and they were very respectful. They weren't trying to cause a problem. They just said, Doug, I appreciate what you said today, but I just think there's probably this, this one area of my life that I can't imagine Jesus can actually relate to. And thankfully, I was able to look this person back in the eyes and say, did you ever think about this story in the scripture? Did you ever think about this time when this happened with Jesus? Because That's exactly what he felt, exactly what you're feeling. So there's not a person in this room today that is here saying, well, I'm the one who's been left out from that. Maybe Jesus relates to 99% of the room, but I'm the one that's on the outside of that. No, he's walked in your shoes. He gets you. And what happens when you and I suffer is we often push God away. We keep him at arm's length. Even if we don't abandon him completely, we just kind of keep him there. And I would just plead with you tonight, man, drop that arm, drop that stiff arm, and let Jesus in close. Because if there's anyone who understands what you're going through, if there's anyone who has walked in your shoes, it's him. So Jesus is God. He is not absent, and he has walked in your shoes and in my shoes. If you're not a father of Jesus, are you seeing who this Jesus is? Are you seeing who this God is and what he's like? And if you are a follower of Jesus, has familiarity poisoned your passion? And tonight, can we stir some of that passion back up? Can we get re-excited, if I could use that word, about Jesus and all that he is? I love this last snapshot we're gonna get tonight because I so have struggled with what the person in this story struggled with. You see, One of Jesus' closest friends doubted that he was God. Doubted that he was doing all the things he said he was going to do. Doubted that he was going to come back from the dead. And the way Jesus responded to him was so incredibly encouraging. And so if you're wrestling with doubt tonight, I pray that this will encourage you. And so let me give you the story here. Jesus was put on the cross publicly and he was executed. And everybody assumed it was over. Right? Like none of Jesus' followers had set up a tent right outside the tomb expecting him to come out at any moment. They had all gone back to their own lives. They had all run away. Right? And so no one thinks Jesus is coming back at this point. But then a few days later some women claim that they saw an empty tomb and and some of the followers of Jesus run to the tomb and and they see the tomb is empty and some of the women begin to say we saw Jesus with our own eyes. And then a little while later, Jesus shows up and he spends time with his followers, his disciples, right? But there's this one guy who missed it. There's one guy who didn't see the empty tomb and there's one guy who wasn't there when Jesus showed up. He missed it. You ever been watching, guys in the room, you ever been watching a sporting event with your friends and you're watching it and, man, like the team that was losing is now making a comeback, right? Right? And as they're marching their way down the field, you're like, oh man, this is so great, but I really have to use the bathroom. Like this is horrible, horrible timing because they're getting closer and closer. Or maybe you're a baseball guy and you're watching baseball and man, your team was down and they're working their way back and now the bases are loaded. But man, you have got to go to the bathroom. As so though you walk down the hall and you close the door and as soon as you do, what do you hear? Your friends in the den, yes, right? Touchdown, grand slam, buzzer beater at half court, right? Whatever it might be. You ladies in the room, you all gathered around watching The Bachelor. (laughs) Or a Hallmark movie. And you're sitting there, man, and you know he's going to choose her. I know it. I know it in my bones. But they keep drawing this thing out. If they go to commercial break again, i got to go to the bathroom, right? And you walk down the hall, and as soon as you close the door, you hear the ladies bawling. You come back, he chose her. I knew he'd choose but I missed it, right? Guys, let me tell you something. When Jesus showed up with the disciples, Thomas was in the bathroom, so to speak. <laughs> he, he missed it, right? And I want you to hear what happens here. John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Worst timing ever, Right? So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, guys, and I got to tell you, and I'm not proud of this, I would have said the same thing Thomas is about to say if I were there. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side because when he was on the cross, they put a sword into his side, a spear into his side to make sure he was actually dead before they took him off the cross so no one could say, oh, he just revived. No, they were sure he was dead. He says, unless I do all that, I will not believe. Thomas can't fathom that Jesus is alive. Who comes back from the dead, right? Some of you are there tonight. You are there right now. You're going, I, I like some of this Jesus stuff. I like some of this forgiveness stuff and this mercy stuff. I like some of this, you know, wow, life change. This that sounds good. But somebody coming back from the dead? I don't know if I could go there, right? Verse 26. A week later, a week after the disciples saw Jesus, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Guys, I guarantee Thomas's jaw drops. He thinks he's seeing things. He can't believe his eyes. And then look at how Jesus handles this This whole issue. Verse 27, first of all, he wasn't in the room when Thomas said what he said. But look at what he says. Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side, Thomas. Stop doubting and believe. And what's so important, if you're wondering tonight who Jesus is, it's so important what Thomas says next because he doesn't say, oh, great prophet, He doesn't say, oh, miracle worker, oh, good person. Look at what he says, my Lord and my God. And so we've seen a prophet tell us Jesus was God. We've seen the father tell us Jesus was God. But now we've seen a doubter tell us that Jesus is God as he stared him in the face after the resurrection. And this was no ghost standing there with Thomas, This was no mirage or hologram because those things don't have nail holes that you can touch. Those things don't have holes in your side that you can feel where that spear would have gone into his flesh. Those things can't be hugged. Those things can't be held. Those things are very different than a risen Savior. But I love that Jesus has appeared to this doubter And i got to tell you guys, one of the reasons Jesus came back from the dead is to turn doubters into followers, and that's me. I'm a doubter turned into a follower. I'm I'm someone who struggled in my faith that, that, man, by God's grace, I've I've more and more begun to say, okay, God, I've, I've seen, I've seen through history, I've seen through changed lives, I've seen through all those things we talked about last week, I've seen that you are truly God. And my prayer for you tonight, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that some of that passion will just revive your heart. Maybe some of that passion has been poisoned because you're just so familiar with it. But I pray tonight, as we just continue to kind of close this thing out, and I pray to just kind of touch your heart, because tonight, man, we're, we're, we need to like, really get into the feels deep down. We need to get past just our brains. See, I'm, I'm aiming at your head with some theology, but I really want to move your heart tonight to the place where the bottom line does not just kind of bounce off us. The bottom line tonight doesn't just sort of feel like something, all right, man, I already knew that. Thanks for the waste of a half hour. I pray that it stirs something up in us, that we've talked about the truth tonight that Jesus is God, and that he is not absent, that he is with you. He is Emmanuel. And there is nowhere you ever go, a good place or a bad place. There's no club you walk into. There's no party you walk into. There's no office. There's no school hallway. There's no field you walk out onto. There's no car you drive in. There's no bed you sleep in. God is not with you. And he has walked in your shoes. There is no sadness you face that he hasn't understood. There's no temptation that you've gone through that he doesn't get. There's no physical pain that maybe you've suffered that he can't get his mind around because the scriptures tell us he suffered so much he even looked like a human being anymore. And if we can just stop for a second, I don't know if you've asked the important question here tonight. You might say, but why did he do it? Like, why does he have nail holes? Why does he have a hole in the side? Why is that there? Well, he's, he's got those things because he began to say something, right? What did he begin to say? He began to tell people, I am God. I'm God in the flesh. I'm Emmanuel. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. And the religious leaders freaked out, and they put him up on the cross, and he died. And you might be, what kind of God does that? What kind of God, what kind of all-powerful God allows some people to put him on a cross? I'll tell you what kind of God does that. A God that's so crazy about you that he knew that was the one way he could purchase you back. That was the one thing that could make you his. And if you're here tonight saying, I just think all roads lead to heaven. I think, you know, really Jesus, Jesus is another inspiring figure. Can I remind you that boot didn't get on a cross for you Muhammad didn't get on a cross for you and Allah didn't get on a cross for you and no one else got on a cross for you. Jesus is not one of many options. He is the option. And he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. And so this God came and he walked in our shoes and he got on a cross so that we could know Jesus is God. He is not absent. And he wants a relationship with us. Several years ago, my friend adopted a bunch of kids from overseas. He actually adopted eight kids from overseas. And I want you to just imagine, as we close out here tonight, I want you to imagine that you're one of the kids in the orphanage waiting to be adopted. I want you to just imagine, please just go with me for a minute and put yourself there. You've been neglected. You've been abandoned. You've been physically abused, and you have been sexually abused. And you are in this hellhole, and you're waiting for rescue. And the director of the orphanage walks in one night and says, I got a phone call, and we have some prospective parents that would like to meet you tomorrow. And your heart begins to beat. You begin to think about what this could mean for you, what a new home would look like for you, a new family. Will you have siblings? What's it all going to be like and so you can hardly sleep. And you wake up that next day. And you're just counting the seconds. Oh man, when are they going to come? When are they going to come? And, and the doors open. But it's not a set of parents. It's the director of the orphanage. And, and he's got a phone. And he holds up a phone to you. And on the phone are these parents that are possibly interested in you. And your heart sinks because you wanted them to come for you. Not just show up on some device. Not send a representative, right? Right? But you kind of push past that. And you begin to talk with them. And, and you're, you're hoping for good, healthy conversation. You're hoping to kind of connect, you know. But it's just weird. They, they begin to ask you some strange questions. They begin to kind of ask you about your past and, and where you've been and the mistakes you've made and the things that you've done. And they begin to ask you to see how smart you are, how to spell this word. And they say, hey, go pick that up. Let's see how strong you are. And, and there's all this performance involved. And at the end of it, though, you tried your hardest. You hear them say to the director, I, We're not interested in this one. The director walks out, and your heart sinks, and you just wonder what's next. And a few minutes later, the door opens again, and maybe some parents, I don't know, but no, it's the same, same guy with, a, with another set of parents on a phone, and you go through all the same stuff the interrogation, the performance. And again, those words ring out We're not interested. We're not interested in this one. And as the director of the orphanage walks out this time, you yell after him. I don't even want to be adopted anymore. A minute goes by and the doors open again. And this time, two parents walk through the door. They're there. They came for you. You kind of can't believe it, but, but you, you're automatically figuring, well, they're obviously just going to do the same things the other parents did. They're obviously just going to, you know, ask me to perform and kind of interrogate me about my past mistakes and try to figure out where I've been and what I've done. But as you really look them in the eye, man, there is a love in their eyes that you've never seen before. It's almost like they, they loved you before they even got there. You begin to imagine, all right, well, well they came, but... They have no idea what I've been through. There's no way they can relate to me. And they, they sit down with you and they just begin to ask you questions. Tell us your story. And you begin to, to tell them about the neglect and the abuse. And, and you begin to weep. And, and they begin to weep. And they begin to say, we've been through this. We grew up in an orphanage as well. This is our story. Your story is our story. We have walked right in your shoes. And there's this acceptance that you did not earn. There are no questions about what you can do. There are no questions about where you have been. And when all is said and done, these parents that came for you, these parents that have walked in your shoes, these parents that are there because there's a love in their heart for you, pick you up and carry you home. That's That's Jesus. This is Jesus, the Son of God who came for you, who's walked in your shoes, who is the only option, the only one who doesn't make it about your performance because he performed in your place. Jesus is God. Let's pray together. God, we are so humbled by the fact that, God, you have done so much for us. Jesus, we are those orphans. We are those orphans waiting for rescue, God. Neglected, abandoned, abused, God. And yet you are the one who did not send a representative. You did not send someone to interrogate us and to kind of make sure we were good enough. But, God, you came with love in your eyes. And you walked in our shoes. Jesus, we thank you tonight, God, that we can weep with you for the things that we've been through. And you get it. You can put your arm around us and say, I have been there and I am with you. If you're a follower of Jesus tonight, I just want to encourage you to pray through some of this stuff. If you recognize that this familiarity has poisoned your passion would you just take a minute and would you really bring that before God say God I gotta be honest I haven't had that fire in my heart for you lately God I haven't had that genuine love for you maybe I don't know I just I haven't paused enough lately to step back and see you for all that you are or Jesus you have felt absent but God I'm gonna cling to the truth tonight that you're God with us Emmanuel. God, you have felt just sort of like there's no possible way you could relate to me. And, and so I, I admit tonight I've kept you at arm's length and God I want that to change. Oh God, I drop, I drop my arm and I come in close, Lord. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray tonight you've seen the, dif- the difference between Jesus and everybody else. He's the one who came for you and he's the only one who got on a cross in your place and rose back from the dead to save you. If you want to put your trust in him tonight, it would be so awesome if you would pray with me just quietly right now. You could say something like this, Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for not being absent. Thank you for walking in my shoes. And thank you that you are the one and only savior of the world tonight I ask you to be my personal savior. To rescue me from my sin and death, uh, my shame, and the death that I was headed for apart from you. Thank you for your love for me and show me, God, how real you are and what it is to follow you. Before we open our eyes here, you don't have to do this next step, but it would be awesome just so I could be praying for you. If you would just look up at me real quick. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, I'm just kind of Look around the room quickly. Did Anybody do that? Awesome. I see you. Anybody else? First time today is putting your trust in Jesus. God, we praise you. And we thank you that you have done great things today. And we celebrate with you, God, the lives that you're drawn to yourself. We love you, Jesus.